in order for one to discover to purpose and what purpose really means, purpose is what you're here to do, what you're created for. That is purpose. So it's different from career. You understand? Most times we tend to conflict it and confuse these things. It's totally different from career. But then again, how do you discover purpose? Hi, I'm Alima. I'm a Christian. Most of my friends know me as a playful and cheerful lady. Well, they're right. Some may also know me as a storyteller, and that's basically because of how fascinating stories can be to me. From being a little girl that battled a lot with peer pressure and growing up with various health complications, from everyday stress to having a skin infection which lasted for over seven years. Wow, that's all right. I glow now and forever. I enjoy processes a lot. I find strength in journey too. Purpose in every pain will bring us closer to answers to our whys. Until you see the purpose in your pain, it will remain painful. The key factor here is process. We listen and learn from these journeys. Also walk through it. Whatever steps that may be needed or taken to one's use, we'll take, we use, we'll tell, we'll learn, we grow. This podcast is produced by Revivalist Tech, a team committed to providing digital and multimedia support and platforms to God-given visions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Purpose in Every Pain podcast. I hope you are all doing fine because I'm doing fine. I am so excited right now. I had a blissful week at some points, really tiring. And then at some points, really, really, really inspiring for me. Okay. Um, I would like to share this with you. So there was one thing that happened um, during the past week and was really, really interesting for me as I have a mini group, a WhatsApp group where we just basically talk about things and, um, life challenges and so on. So there was this task given to everybody to talk about your fears and, um, and, um, tell us the steps that you'd write for you to take and really, really help you. And then I had a lot of things. It actually reminded me of the fact that there were times that I had similar fears to those things, especially being in a public place. And it was really so scary for me. Like I can't basically talk anywhere, but when it comes to me being in a public place, I ate it. I mean, I hated it. I'm always full of anxiety. I hate the fact that people will be staring, people will be looking. I just have a lot of things going on in my head. There were so plenty anxieties, but I'm good now. I just want to say to you before I get this whole story all so much. I didn't Bible in um, 2 Timothy verse 1, um, chapter 1 rather, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So there's this thing that we usually say in church, cheer up brethren, the word works. I don't want you to read this and just hear it. I just basically said it. It really works. For God has not given us the spirit of fear and it really works. So when you begin to profess this to yourself, you really, really see the manifestation of God's work in your life. So yeah, that's by the way, I don't want to do a lot of talking because i have somebody here that will do a lot of the talk so there's a guest in the house and um he's a good friend of mine <laughs> we might really go go deep he's a good friend of mine and then okay there's this story of how we met really very funny because um i don't think i've met somebody like this before in my life we have a mutual friend um and her name is esther so she uploaded a video of a man talking about um COVID-19 vaccination and 
it was just a brief talk, I think about 30 seconds of it. And then I was like, I listened to it and I told her jokingly saying that I would love to meet this man. I mean, for, for me to listen to me, it was just so intriguing. I did not really even understand a lot of the things that he was saying, but I just knew, oh, there was something so different about this man. And boom, fast forward to a Wednesday service, after service. And then I heard my name, I heard somebody screaming out my name, Halima, Halima. I was like, what's going on here? It was Esther, and then she walked up to me and she said, oh, this is Paris, the guy that you were. And I was like, okay. I didn't know this was all so serious. And that was how I met him. I, I think I already mentioned his name, Paris. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'll, give, I'll give a full introduction of him right now. And um, it's just really amazing on how God predestined ourselves. It's just really, really amazing on how he does our things. You know, I don't want to talk about the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit right now, but he really, really, really directs our steps. So I'll do the introduction now. His name is Tarela Tony Tuwe. I hope I'm right with it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Popularly known as Paris. Now yes. there's a lot of story behind that. <laughs> but if he's going to say anything, fine, you can go ahead with the story. And um, he's properly Christianized. Absolutely. Properly Christian. I, I like the introduction. <laughs> he's a reactor um, by trade. Um, he has a degree in international relations and diplomacy. Absolutely. He's single. And <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got to say that part as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's single and searching. Mm-hmm. And a fine salesperson and a visionary. So this is how he would like to describe himself. So Mr. Paris, first of all, okay, um, I guess a lot of people will be wondering why the name Paris. So I would let him, if you want to tell us a brief story about it, you can go ahead. <laughs> first of all, uh, let me say a very big thank you for having me on your podcast. You're welcome. Yes, and me, you're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... I was uh, really excited the day I ran into you when Esther introduced us. And uh, uh, when you told me that you run a podcast, like I told you the other time, I said, I felt like I really need to be on this podcast <laughs> because I have something to say to people. Mm-hmm. And affording me the opportunity to do this, trust me, it's uh, remarkable for me. <laughs> Not wow. just for the people, because sometimes uh, what happens is that when you when you get a sort of enlightenment, you get transformed and the people you share it with get transformed. Of yes, course. Uh, of course, as well. So that's exactly what happened. So the name Paris, how it came about. Yeah, uh, like I told you initially, as we were talking before we started, I said I tried out different names. Mm. Yeah, because uh, I just like a, like a posh name. You know how this <laughs> colonization thing has really messed with our minds. So yeah, we feel, exactly. yeah, whatever the so-called white man yeah. uh, has, that's what we want to have. You understand? So uh, because uh, so many movies have really messed up with my mind. And I said, okay, I think I need... Uh, an English name, since I didn't have any. Yeah, mm-hmm. because uh, from what I was told, because my pap passed when I was four or five thereabouts, no. quite early. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was told he gave me an English name, uh, which was Terry, but nobody ever called me Terry till I grew up. So Terry. Yeah, so I, I felt like, okay, maybe he didn't actually give me that. They just told me that in order to pacify me because I because my half-brother, I'm from a polygamous home, and my half-brother had an English name. So I wanted <laughs> to have one myself. So that was why. So I looked everywhere and uh, I gave myself a couple of names like Elite. You <laughs> I've always, I've always liked the wealthy, not even the wealthy. So I like names that represent that. 
You understand? So that was why I gave myself a lead at first. Uh, but it really didn't stick. You understand? So I also gave myself a uh, consequence. And people <laughs> was like, are you serious? Consequence? Who does that? <laughs> Who gives his, himself consequence as a name? <laughs> Up till date, people still call me consequence. Wow. Some friends who knew me from way back. So they still call me consequence. So after that, that name didn't stick as well. So I also answered Epoyo Loco because I loved rap music, hip-hop. I was quite big on hip-hop and uh, I like to think I was an hip-hop evangelist yeah, back then. So that was it. Um, but that one didn't stick as well until I was watching this movie. I think it was around uh, 2006, seven thereabouts. And uh, the girl's name was Paris. And when I heard the name, I said... Like there was a chord that was struck on the inside of me. You know how you feel? It's like a a priori. You can't really uh, tell it objectively, but subjectively you feel a sense that, okay, I think this would work for me. That was where Paris came about. Wow. And up till this very minute as I talk to you, I think uh, Paris is more famous than my original name that was given to me by my parents. It's intriguing. I guess a lot of people want to know why and they would rather call you that, Paris, because it just ticks in the brain immediately when you say Paris. So I'm like, okay, why? But the next time I see I'm like, Paris, because I can remember I have to ask the question when or why did you get the name? So it's really intriguing for a lot of people. I got to find out that... Uh, Ethnical names like, uh, yes, uh, tribal names that are really difficult to pronounce for people. And most especially if you venture... Especially the pronunciation. Absolutely. It's quite difficult for people. And uh, it's hard for people to also remember it. You understand? So if they can't really pronounce your name correctly, it won't stick in their brains. Mm. So I needed to get a name that is unique, that is catchy, that as soon as you hear it, it will stick. Mm-hmm. that you would never forget it. Yeah. So just like when I was in the uh, graphic space, I learned that uh, minimalist design, which are simple designs, are more, uh, how do I put it now? People relate more with it than those complex ones, you understand? So that was, I think, uh, that was why I took the name Paris. So to me, it sounded great. Like <laughs> of Paris. Course. <laughs> Paris is a famous city. Everybody loves Paris. Everybody <laughs> wants to go to Paris. And Paris is arguably the most beautiful city in the world. <laughs> arguably, I said. You understand? So before Dubai came around and those other cities. Yeah. You understand? So that's why Paris, I came about the name. And I love the name so much. In fact, I don't think I, I hear my tribal name as much as I hear Paris. I see that. So. Yes. I see that. Mm. So Mr. Paris, you okay? thank you for coming mm-hmm. once again. Um, so there's this thing that we do here. Um, it's purpose in every pain. So we'd like you to um, give the definition of pain in your own word. How would you describe pain to be? Pain is transformational. Hmm. Yes. Pain is critical. And uh, pain is uh, revelational in some sense. Because uh, we also know this uh, to be a popular axiom that no pain, no gain. Hmm. So for something to be worthwhile in your life it's got to be painful so that's the also the idea of sacrifice because you have to let go of something that you know uh it's so of so much value to you so it causes pain when you do that so uh i've seen a lot of pain in my life from financial to existential because uh trying to discover who you are in life your purpose in life that's a very difficult thing <laughs> for people who have discovered that early enough in their life man trust me more power to them like it was quite difficult for me discovering that like up up till i think okay i'm in my early 30s up till my late 20s i didn't even know what i was born to do so that in itself it's pain mm. for me 
because it's like you're just living your life without any base, without any direction and all of that. I was so confused, like seriously con discombobulated to some point that um, when I was invited somewhere to introduce myself, I couldn't introduce myself because I felt uh, your purpose, if it's discovered, that is what gives you meaning and that's how you should introduce yourself. So now, talking about purpose, you already said it. I was going to ask um, <laughs> for you to give us the definition of purpose in your own understanding. What is purpose really like for you? I like the fact that you're moving to that direction so just go ahead okay uh i think purpose i would like to say it from uh godly perspective mm. you understand we know only a manufacturer can determine the purpose of a product and god is our manufacturer no atheist wouldn't believe that but then again as science i've come to agree that the bible contains accurate data of history observational science and historical science they've come to agree so in order for one to discover purpose and what purpose really means purpose is what you're here to do mm. what you're created for mm. that is purpose so it's different from career you understand most times we tend to conflict it and confuse these things it's totally different from career but then again how do you discover purpose uh all you're full of is potential just like a child growing up it's potential so the parents have to give the child direction mm -hmm. to see if the child will be able to make something worthwhile out of that direction they're pointing the child to so that's exactly how purpose comes about so purpose is discovering what you're here to do on earth mm. why you were created the things you're here to do and for you to know that your uh, actually purpose to do that is if you do it with passion. You understand? You know, uh, people have written a lot of books regarding purpose, how yeah. to discover purpose. And I, I think a guy that's quite big on it was uh, Miles Marone. Yeah, man, that guy really transformed a lot of lives. <laughs> yes, yes, because... Uh, <laughs> There's no, a lot of tension right now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you, because not until I started listening to him, that was when I started discovering why I was created to be on earth. Hmm. Yeah, because for me, I felt just living through the day was why I was here on earth. Mm -hmm. You understand? So you can imagine the kind of notion I grew up with. So that was why it was really difficult for me to discover my existential element in life because not too many people can discover it early in life. Just like uh, we saw in the case of, uh, was it Jeremiah? I discovered his early in life when he was seven, God called him. Well, Abraham, even at 75, mm -hmm. you understand? He hasn't even discovered it at that age. You can imagine even Moses, not until he was 80 before he knew that he was made the liberator of the children of Israel. You understand? So you can discover it at any time in any point in your life. Yeah, it could be early on in your life or maybe later in your life. But then again, if you discover it, trust me, you're going to know the reason why you're here hmm. on earth. That's powerful. That's really, 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 really <laughs> powerful. So moving on to your story now, um, you shared a little part of it with me. And I guess it's really something um, that a lot of people find difficult to do. In my own aspect of life, um, okay, my environment and some other things that I grew up with, I didn't see it as a big deal. I never grew up and seen it as a big deal. But um, when I finally grew up and then I hear people talk about it or people say this to me, I have simply that they have similar issues. And I'm like, and when I attended the same school with them. So when the teachers that taught me, when they talk to them, it's like, oh, your older sister, she wasn't like this. She was like this. She was like this. Why? Where did you get this whole thing from? But um, still, I still try to, you know, wrap the whole thing around my head that, what can 
this thing, what can really be done to, to try to take this thing early out of our lives? Because it's damaging lives. I mean, it's damaging. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. So um, I would let you go ahead with the story now. So this story is about um, public speaking. Mr. Paris grew up um, having a fear of public speaking. And to me, it is, um, it is really, really inspiring because I want to sit down here and learn a lot of things right now. And I just hope you are sitting down and chilling too and listening to this and about to just know that a life somewhere is about to be transformed. A life somewhere is about to be transformed. So Mr. Paris, you can go ahead. Uh, regarding public speaking, uh, a research was conducted around the world and uh, what they discovered was really shocking. So they wanted to know the biggest fear, people's biggest fear. And you would think it was death. But funny enough, it wasn't. It was the fear of public speaking. I knew this thing was big. <laughs> like like quite, quite big. I knew. You understand? Uh, at a funeral, people would rather be the one in the coffin than being the one to give the eulogy at a funeral. I'm telling you. So it's what stops people from actualizing their full potential, the fear of public speaking. Because public speaking is so critical in our humanistic existence uh, so that the likes of Jesus, the reason they were regarded as uh, archetypal leaders and archetypal representation was because they could talk. Jesus was a speaker. You understand? And trust me, I don't know about any other person, but Jesus is the perfect archetypal representation. Mm. So that is why if you could speak in public, you regard as a leader. Is that a true notion, actually? Everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. So if you notice uh, during uh, slavery, uh, what the so-called slave masters did to the slaves was this. Uh, they would padlock their mouths and not have them speak. But they will have the children from the slave master, like let's say for their about, and have them speak to the slaves. Um, but what they are trying to do symbolically is that you could be seen but not heard. Because once you're not heard, it's like you don't exist. And so this fear of public speaking actually hinders people's advancement in life. It really hindered me so much growing up. So this is my story now. <laughs> so like I said initially, I was birthed in Lagos. Yeah, so I was... Uh, born out of wedlock so my mother befriended my father and somehow she conceived me and gave birth <laughs> to me yeah so my father was uh living in delta state as a den but he works here in lagos so because he was in marina so he's got a couple of vessels and so every time they'll sail to lagos he'll come and see my mother and all of that so after I was born, uh, so there was this prophecy, so I just don't want to go into that, that uh, my father would pass uh, after giving birth to me for some time. And so it happened. And so when my father died, I was taken to Delta State. From what I was told, he wrote a letter uh, on his uh, deathbed that I should be taken to the woman that raised him because he wanted me to be raised the same way he was raised. Hmm. <laughs> you understand? I didn't know much about my pap, but my pap is my hero. Hmm. he's my hero trust me and uh so uh when i went to bed with the woman that raised him uh, she is not uh is a grand auntie so it's not like she gave birth to my father or my mother so i grew up in that environment and the environment was somewhat hostile hmm. hostile because i was beaten most of the times you understand so this is where i got the idea from that my child or my children would never stay with anybody whether family members or friends, I'd rather my children live with me. You understand? Let me watch them grow. So because of the environment I grew up in, it really affected my mind so terribly because 
I was beating most of the time. So I, it made me pent up because I suppressed a lot of emotions and a lot of things I really wanted to say because every time you try to open your mouth to speak, they shut you up and shut you down. So this is exactly the same idea with uh, the slave master and the slaves because every time they try to speak, they beat them down. And so it really affected their mind. And so I felt I had... Uh, cerebral palsy of the mind whereby yes I thought I thought my my mind had damaged to the point whereby I can't even talk Mm. so I knew what to say I know how to say it but I felt every time I opened my mouth I was going to say all the wrong things so that stopped me for so many years stopped me yeah so I hated my aunt and my my aunt because my grandmother she had a daughter and so I grew up with both of them so uh, she would beat me most of the times when she wanted me to do things that I wouldn't want to do myself because I felt like they were trying to feminize me you know having (laughs) me do all those feminine domestic chores I'm not it's not I'm not trying to genderize domestic chores yeah but uh, so those are the things have me cook have me clean have me do all of that I'm supposed to go to school stop getting me to do all of these Mm. things so I was so recalcitrant as result of that and i hated them at some point but after i grew up that was when i realized that they were really teaching me some basic skill that i needed to have so now looking back at those times i really appreciate them but what happened was this it really affected my mind in the wrong way to the point whereby even having a one-on-one conversation with people was terrible Mm -hmm. for me you would see me shake i would jilter and (laughs) i would shiver right in front of you like you would think I had Parkinson's disease because my hands mm. would be shaking all because of fear of speaking up. So it's not like I'm going to say something abusive, but then again, how to articulate my words, my ideas. Because something I've come to realize is that practice makes perfection. If you keep doing something over and over again through an iterated process, trust me, you're going to become a master at it. Mm. So that was exactly what happened to me. So there was also this time in secondary school, what made it worse in secondary school. So I had this friend, I went to a government secondary school, a state one at that. So at this time, we have this uh, group of friends whereby we yab each other, we diss each other, you know, those kind of things. And so this time, uh, this friend of mine told me, he said, you're showing yourself a lot. Can you really speak English for three hours? Or can you quarrel in English? Can you imagine such statements? And I didn't counter the statement and it settled in me. And stopped me for years. Stopped me for years. So that I put a cap on myself, a limit on myself that if I want to exceed that, automatically there is a kick that comes in that stops me automatically. So it started running on autopilot. So even if I knew I could go beyond that, I couldn't. Because someone had already said a word that Mm -hmm. I planted a seed in my heart and it has blossomed in me so this is where the bible said every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn because in order for david to defeat to defeat rather goliath he had to curse him back when goliath cursed him because if david had let it settled in him trust me goliath would have defeated david Hmm. so but what david did was that he said i'm going to cut off your head and i'll feed it to the birds of the sky and that was Hmm. exactly what he did because he said it one thing i've come to realize is that words are usually for creation not for communication. Originally, words are for creation so that everything or any name Adam called the animals they became. So it was after man fell, man had to devise a means of using words as a communicative tool so that if you say to yourself that, uh, I don't think I could do that. Trust me, there is no way you could. Mm. 
Hmm. Words are very powerful. Even neuroscience, I've come to agree with this, that your words can actually shape your life because your mind is drop on yourself talk. So whatever you say to yourself, your subconscious programs. Do you hear it first. That's you understand? Saying, and yeah. that's exactly what it dishes out in your reality. Mm. So if you think that you're always frightened speaking out in public, then you say to yourself, you know, words are much more powerful than thoughts. You understand? Of course, but we don't know where thoughts come from, but you can filter thoughts. You understand? Choose the one you want to keep and the ones you want to get rid yeah. of. But the only way you can override negative thoughts is by speaking positively against it. So this was why Jesus said in Mark 11, 23 to 24, there about, if thou can say to this mountain, be thou cast into yonder place. You understand? It will obey. It, you would have what you say. So the emphasis is on say, not even do. Hmm. So that it, when God wanted to create the world, he said, let there be light. And there was light. So it's not like he had to put some physical labor into mm-hmm. it, but he used his words in creating what he wanted to see. You understand? So when that guy said those things to me and I didn't counter it, it settled in me and it became a reality for years. Let me come in from here. Um, You said something about growing up um, with your grand aunt and um, a lot of things. I've come to understand that in this society where we live in, we have elders all around us. We usually have mommy, we would have daddy, we would have uncle, we would have aunt, we would have nephews, we would have a lot of people that are much older than us. And when mom is trying to correct us for something, if aunties are around, they they never support you what they do is they try to say uh i, I do not say this in yoruba but they, they just try to make you feel they don't really pacify you they just support moments say a lot of things to you and at a point when you want to open your mouth and say oh this is how it is this is how it went i did not decide i just wanted to intentionally make this mistake they tell you to shut your mouth and respect the elders that is what they do do you think in one way or the other this really affected or it's led to a way whereby we they try to diminish our public speaking they try to like hold us back from saying things and most of the time we end up growing up and then just holding all of these things inside of us do you think it has something to do with our public speaking growing up absolutely it does it impacts us in various ways and especially because this was a mentality that was uh given to them by the slave masters so i believe that uh seeing that that was the kind of environment they grew up in they didn't have anything different to give to us other than to give to us what they were given Mm -hmm. you understand so uh it impacts us in the sense that when you shut down and shut up so because you've got so much to say it creates uh an anxiety in you and also uh creates what is called nihilism so nihilism is uh, a sense of meaninglessness Mm. that okay if i'm not able to speak able to hear my opinion and my views Mm. then i think i'm worthless so and it also creates resentment on the inside of you because now you're bottling a lot of emotion when they should have allowed you to say this thing so at least you can free up your Mm. mind and be more outspoken you understand not blunt in some sense but be more outspoken to be able to speak up you understand so our parents really 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 made us uh really scared of public speaking in so many ways. The, the North, I noticed the Northerners are not like the way we are down South here because for the North, they are quite vocal. And if you notice uh, during all of uh, these times, during political elections and all of that, that you will notice that the Northerners speak more mm-hmm. than we here. And most times they use rhetorics a lot. Rhetorics in the sense that when you want to box someone into a corner, you use words. You understand? So because I want you to be where I want you to be. I don't want you to come to this point. So they also use words to put you in that corner. And uh, so my 
hunt and my grand hunt, what they did to me was this. Beating me up and shutting me down really made me took everything in instead of bringing everything out. So I took everything in and so it created an implosion on the inside of me. So that made my self-confidence, my self-esteem shattered in terms of public speaking. So that's why speaking was became, became rather my biggest fear. Hmm. Do you think at some point in everybody's life we would experience this at some point in one way or the other? Maybe secondary school, maybe in um, senior secondary school, maybe when you begin to work. Do you think everybody gets to experience this fear of public speaking or we have people that just scale through it? They never did experience it. I think everyone would and everyone does in the sense that, of course, you sometimes may be in a corporate environment whereby you have bosses. And uh, so, you know, this... Uh, hierarchical structure that we have that you have leaders you have mm. bosses so there's a way you talk to them you can talk to them anyhow you can just hear your opinion even if you know your rights you understand so you have to yes you have to keep that within yourself because hearing your opinion could get you fired <laughs> yeah so because of the fear of losing the things you know you could lose that could stop you from speaking up yeah. you understand so everyone is going to experience it one way or the other whether you are in your family circle or social circle or whatever you corporate environment and all of that, we are all going to experience it one way or the other. But experiencing it is uh, it's a good thing, a good thing in the sense that you've got to identify that this is a problem at first in order for you to find a way to solve it, to come up with good resolution. You understand? Because it's there. It's in uh, reality. You can't run away from it. It's unavoidable. You understand? Because you, we are social beings. We tend to relate with one another. So you can't live on your own. If you're going to live with other people, you're going to have all of these conflicts. So in order for you to know how to manage these conflicts to your benefits, so you have to find a way. What were those ways that you engaged in when trying to manage um, your fear of public speaking? Okay. Uh, first of all, um, I came to terms that... Um, Conflict is a necessary part of life. Chaos is a necessary part of life. So that when you go into a new space, because it's not your comfort zone, it's chaotic for you. It's conflictual for you. So not until you engage with it for a longer period of time, not even a longer period of time, but you engage with it at long, that is when you're able to generate ways, mechanisms and strategies on how to deal with it. Because if you don't go into it, you would never know. Mm. Yeah, because you have uh, generating capacity in order to create order out of chaos. You have it within mm. you. So nobody can actually tell you some of these things without you encountering all of these things. So one of the ways I try to manage conflict is this. I try to engage in emotional intelligence by not letting people words sway me because words have effects, like serious effects. So let's say, for example, your boss says to you that you're good for nothing, like your performance are dropped. That can have significant impact on you and your performance yeah, because yeah. you feel like your burst words carries weight and for your boss as a leader who says so this thing to, to you, you man trust me right. <laughs> <laughs> so you understand so what i do is that i shake it off by telling myself that i'm good hmm. i'm but better do you understand it's not everybody that has the ability to do this there's not everybody that has the ability to shake things off when they are being um, trued at or when they are being stored at or when they are being um, even chastised. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would run down into holes. A lot of people would isolate themselves. That's one thing I usually notice that when people are going through one difficulty, they usually isolate themselves. They separate themselves from the world. What would you like to say 
Okay, uh, you're not doing yourself a lot of good by running away from conflict. So there is, uh, in uh, psychology, so there's a, ther- a therapy called exposure therapy. So this is how you treat people who have phobia, like agoraphobia, claustrophobia, and all of that. So what you do is that you expose them so to the things fears. they are scared of. Mm. Because if you're not exposed to the things you're scared of, it becomes insurmountable. It's like you can never overcome it until you face it. So what they do is that uh, when you're exposed to the thing over time, you are able to exhaust the nervous system representation of it that you learn to ignore it. It's just like if you brought a snail here and if you poke it, it runs back into Mm. its shell. So that's what it does. If you do it like 15 times, you would notice that it wouldn't run back into its shell again because it has been able to learn how to ignore that poking. So that's exactly what happens. You expose people to what they are scared of. And it's not like they get uh, less uh, afraid. No, they get more courageous because those two things are not the same thing. Because Mm. if you take on voluntary approach to things you're scared of and you face it headlong, you get more courageous, not less afraid. Because what it will mean that uh, you know that there is a lot of uh, things to be scared of right there. Yeah. But in the midst of your fear, you're able to stand up to it. That's when mm-hmm. you get courageous. Mm-hmm. But being less afraid is like, you know that there's a lot of troubles out there, but you're just going to avoid them. Mm-hmm. So it's not the in, same In thing. your journey of um, trying to overcome the fear of public speaking, did you, um, did you also impute the steps of being spiritual to it did you decide oh this is not a spiritual matter was it like that for you or you decided to involve anything that pertains to spiritual did you involve god as a whole or you were like oh god doesn't have anything to do with this one this is different this is just me this is this is me trying to deal with my problem because in some cases there are things that would try to want to say oh god can do this and in some cases we're like oh god this is not for you there's no way you can come into what was it like for you at first i i had to run to god so I engaged uh, different aspects, multiple aspects. I engaged the spiritual aspect as well as the psychological aspect, mm. the physiological aspect, as well as the mental aspect. Uh, so for the spiritual aspect, you know, God said, open up your mouth and I'll fill it up. You understand? And he told, uh, uh, was it Jeremiah? I told, he said, don't be scared of the faces when you go to speak to them. Speak yeah. to them what I've given to you. Yeah. So uh, I talked to God and I begged the Holy Spirit to help me with my fear of public speaking. So this is why I came up with this uh, prayer request that sweet Holy Spirit, please speak through my vocal cords, mm. think, through my, think through my mind rather and hack through my actions because it's only the Holy Spirit that can actually help you with this first before you can move past that and become more comfortable speaking in public. So when I engaged that, I noticed things began to change for me. So I started my daily confession. Yeah, because I needed to reprogram my subconscious with my words. Give us an insight of how your daily confession was. Okay, uh, first of all, so that's exactly what I have for my ring, uh, my ringtone. So anytime my phone rings, you'd hear that. So I say to myself every morning that, I'm super articulate. I'm super analytical. I'm super fluent. I'm super coherent. You understand? So these are the things I say to myself that I know what to say per time. I know what to do per time. I know how to act per time. I've been saying these things to myself for years and my subconscious and my mind have taken a hold of it that that's exactly what it produced to me in return. So it has really worked for me fantastically well and dramatically because it has turned my life around for good. And one of the other ways of building confidence in public speaking is by showing up confident. Everyone gets nervous. 
even the best speakers in the world before they go into giving their talk they get nervous even all the TED talks that you've seen they get yeah. nervous <laughs> but what they do is that they come out and display this confidence you understand and with time they start feeling confident because you can use your body so this is the physiological aspect i talked about whereby you can use your body to project confidence mm. so there's a way there's a posture you need to have in order for you to start feeling confident because your uh, physiology affects your psychology so as your body moves your brain grooves mm. so that's exactly what happened so i started hawking my biochemicals in my body because there's a chemical that is responsible for status high status and yeah. confidence it's called serotonin so there's a way you sit up with your chest out and your shoulders back, you have a sort of rush of serotonin. And cortisol is the biochemical that is responsible for fight or flight. You understand? So that reduces significantly. And when you have so much boost of serotonin, you start feeling confident. So this is the physiological, scientific aspect of it, whereby you can build confidence in <laughs> wow, public speaking. Wow. Did you read any books? Were you given a list of various books to read pertaining to this? <laughs> okay. Um, I read the Bible today and in Proverbs, I think around 24, chapter 24, thereabouts. And uh, the Bible said, knowledge gives strength. Yeah. You understand? And even the Bible said, for my people perish for lack of knowledge. Yeah. And uh, if you're knowledgeable, you're quite confident. Mm -hmm. You understand? So if you're knowledgeable about this subject matter, your fear reduces. It reduces your nervousness. So that because you know that whatever they're going to ask you would be around the subject yeah. and you already know the things to say. So you're not nervous in some sense. You understand? So it's not like I had a list of books, but there's this book I've always had in my life and I, call, I would always recommend it. It's uh, to me the second greatest book ever written by man because if you read it, it's going to broaden your horizon. It opened up new world for me and showed me the possibility. <laughs> you understand? That I can actually achieve what I set my mind to. So there's this strange idea in the Bible and uh, it's a set of like uh, a set of complicated to me complicated presuppositions uh, so the bible said if you truly want something you're going to have it knock and you and the door will be opened seek and you shall find yeah. ask and it shall be given Give so these are you. set of complicated ideas so what it simply means is that if you truly want something you're going to have it mm. truly so we're not talking about a day's wish or whim no truly want something that if you put your heart to it you understand? Yeah. And let your eyes be single like the Bible said in Matthew. If your, your eyes are single, your whole body will be full of light. And zero in on that thing, you're going to achieve it. You understand? So the book, uh, before I digress. <laughs> so let me come back. <laughs> so, so the book that, that has always been in my life to me, like I said, the second greatest book ever written by man after the Bible is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. <laughs> I wish I can hear the drum roll now. <laughs> oh, that's powerful. Yes, I'm sure going to get the book. So I've had all the editions, all the editions, wow. uh, but I keep uh, lending, out, lending it out to people and they keep losing my book and I don't know why. So I just got a new one recently. Yeah, so it's with me. So if you want it, yes, I could hand it. I don't it. think I'm going to give it how back again to you. Uh, no, I'm not going to <laughs> just give it to you to read for some time. You're going to give me back my book. <laughs> yeah, because because it's my library. <laughs> I'm building my library, so it's very important. So I have a couple of other books that I read as well. Uh, so there was this one by uh, um, James Allen, uh, okay. As a Man Thinketh. 
So that book would transform your life. It will revolutionize your thinking. So I think uh, it was cast out of the Bible where the Bible said, as a man thinketh in so, his heart, yeah. so is he. Because yeah. uh, if you think that uh, you're scared of public speaking, that you're going to miss your lines, you're going to say all the wrong things. And trust me, that's exactly what is going to happen to you. So you have to act your mind and start telling your mind what you want it to see because mm -hmm. your mind, your subconscious can tell the difference between a memory and an imagination. So you got to fill it up with imagination that you want by saying the things you want and that's exactly what it would take that's amazing so what would you like to um say to somebody out there really now that has always been having the fear of this public speaking read more, <laughs> read more. <laughs> yes yes i i don't mean it in a trivial way i really mean it i really mean it mm -hmm. like read more because uh the more you read the more you know and the more you're able to say and when you're able to say so much your fear of public speaking minimizes mm. and write as well because when you write you're able to engage in critical thinking because you don't think as much as you do in writing when you're talking you understand because writing forces you to think yeah like think because it's not easy to articulate your thoughts on True. paper yeah. so if you could do that and those things those subject matter that you want to talk about become a part of you mm. they actually become you because now you're trying to form your own opinion on certain matters and mm. putting it to paper writing it on paper actually makes it more real to you mm. more real to you in the sense that when you're talking about it you're not scared yeah you understand? And you're not scared because you know that what you're saying is what you're saying rather it's true to you. You understand? Because so this is why I always try to tell people, tell the truth. Tell the truth. At least don't lie. So it's one of uh, there's this book I read recently by Jordan Peterson. And Jordan Peterson is a clinical psychologist. You should look him up on YouTube. Man, this guy is a phenomenon. He's a fantastic dude. He's a Canadian and he was a professor at Harvard. Yeah, but now he left and is in Toronto. And this guy is quite vocal. There's a way he unpacks the Old Testament uh, stories. Man, this guy is awesome. Like you really need to look him <laughs> up. Yes. And so, um, so Jordan Peterson had really helped me in uh, public speaking because, uh, okay, so this is what I'll tell people. You know how to speak to one person. You know how to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So if you're in public and you want to speak, what you do is this. See everybody as an individual. Don't see them as a, as a crowd. So because your approach, your view, your perspective about that really matters. It's quite critical mm -hmm. in heading you to speaking confidently in public. Mm -hmm. So always see people as an individual who happens to be multiplicated. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. So that changes everything for you. Mm -hmm. So you may think it's not significant. It is really significant because just a little idea can transform your whole life. Mm. So what you do is this, speak more. That's how you overcome your fear of public speaking because if you don't engage in it, uh, there's no way you can overcome it. So it's like uh, learning how to ride a bicycle. In the first instance, you would fall. Yeah. After a while, they fall and stop and you gain mastery. So that's exactly what happens in public speaking. So mm. I also have this idea that anything that is worth doing is worth doing badly and shortly because what the hell do you know at first? Mm. You understand? You're trying to engage with it. So... What you do as you engage with it, you're going to learn to do things that you know 
are erroneous. Yeah. You try to reduce and minimize the mistakes along the way. Yeah. So that's how you gain mastery. So yeah. anyone who started anything, especially in public speaking, they were a fool at first because they didn't know anything. Hmm. You understand? They were scared to death. Even one time I read about Steve Jobs when they said he was invited to come and give a talk. That was his ever first time. He said he was sick in his stomach. He had butterflies in his stomach that he threw up. He couldn't speak. And this was a guy that gave one of the most great speeches of all time. Mm -hmm. You understand? This was the same guy at first who couldn't speak. So for those of those people out there who can't speak, all you have to do is just try to speak. Mm. That's the only way you can overcome it because you can't get those knowledge and not apply it. Mm. Because what is good in knowledge when you can't apply it? Yeah, apply you understand? Knowledge. So you've got to apply the things you know. So engage in public speaking more. And before you know it, you're going to overcome it. Thank you. <laughs> I've had a lot of things to learn today. And um, I'm praying to God that he gives us grace to really, really apply them. Um, so do you think you are still at the journey of learning? Or you think at any point you just... You seem to um, know it all right now. Or do you think um, tomorrow, something might happen tomorrow and then you get an opportunity to learn or you've got it all together right now? First of all, let me say, let me issue out this disclaimer. Nobody knows it all. Mm. Nobody has it all figured out. Mm. <laughs> Not in this life. I can tell you that for free. No one knows it all. And uh, I'm still on my journey. Mm. And... Uh, there's a statement, and I find it to be self-evident, that wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. Hmm. You understand? So no one would ever get to the point whereby they know everything because you're not omniscient. Hmm. And God is the only one who is omniscient. You understand? So having that at the back of your mind makes you humble because it's only humility that can take you to the top because you've got to learn things you don't know. You understand? So this is also what we saw in the Abrahamic story. It's a call to adventure. So because when you venture into new spaces, what would happen is that you're going to encounter different things or manner of things. Because when Abraham left his father, the first thing he encountered was tyranny. You understand? No, it was famine. Then later tyranny because Pharaoh wanted to take his wife. Mm. You understand? Yeah. So we saw it even in the Israelite story because when they felt they were liberated, the first thing they encountered was the wilderness. And so you're also going to have that wilderness experience whereby your knowledge runs out mm. of things. You hit plateau. You understand? So if you stopped learning, thinking you know everything, trust me, you start aging. So even if you were eight, the day you stop learning, trust me, that's the day you start dying. Hmm. So nobody has it all figured out. So I try to tell people that there is no perfect plan anywhere. Hmm. I've come to realize that in my life as well. But the plan is made perfect in the journey. You understand? Hmm. It's a journey and you will never get there. So this is why I, I also don't like this idea when they tell people that you're okay the way you are. You are never okay the way you hmm. are. There's more to you than meets the high. Hmm. There's more. There is more to you than meets the high. So if you think you're a professor, there is still more. You understand? So this is why uh, we hear statements like this from our parents when they tell you that, oh, you're not living up to your full potential. Mm. Because only God knows it reaches all the way to heaven mm. what you could be if you be if you really are everything you could be. Mm. You understand? So no one has it all together. So finally, I would like you to expatiate more on, now you personalize it rather, okay. and then you expatiate more on the word purpose in the pain. So what's the purpose in the pain for you? Ah. <sighs> Purpose in the pain. Anything worthwhile has to be painful. Mm. Yeah. So I think this is also the idea of circumcision in the Bible that you have to let go of something that is uh, 
significant to you in order to save the whole. So there is a pain associated with that. So that uh, in order for you to gain mastery, you've, you've got to sacrifice those things that are unworthy of you. So this is also the idea we saw in the Moses story when he had an encounter with God in the burning bush. And God said, take off your sandals because yeah. it burns off anything that is unworthy of you. So that's exactly what pain does because anything that is not painful is not memorable. Hmm. You understand? So in order for you to, to know something worthwhile, it has to be painful. For you to gain something, it has to be painful. So that's the purpose in the pain because in order for you to discover purpose, you have to go through the journey and it's not easy. Hmm. It's not easy, except you don't want to take any responsibility. So this is one of the issues I have nowadays when they try to tell youths and people around the world about their rights. What rather they should be telling us is take more responsibilities because what responsibility simply means is having right responses to your abilities. Mm. You understand? So when you engage your abilities, of course, it's going to be painful. Yeah. You've got to sacrifice. There has to be the sacrificial element. That's exactly what the Bible has been telling us all through its stories. Yeah. That for God to redeem the world back to himself, he had to sacrifice something. Mm -hmm. So it's you can't avoid it. You understand? You can't avoid it. So you have to sit up straight with your shoulders back. So this is like uh, an hypothesis in some sense that in order for you to take on the world, you've got to face the world. Yeah. And you're going to get a lot of jabs from the world. People are going to hit you, throw things at you, and those things are painful. Hmm. But as you keep going, keep at it, that's when you're going to find purpose in what you're doing. And that's what purpose in the pain to me is hmm. and what it means. There's oh. a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain, but you have to do things to reduce the pain. So this is why uh, you have to live forthrightly in some sense because the flood would always come. So when the flood comes, so you have to build your heart. So the purpose helps you build the heart along the way so that when the floods come, you're able to stay afloat because mm -hmm. the flood would always come, whether you want it or not. It, it's always coming. You understand? So you discover purpose in that. Wow. This is a wonderful session, everybody. This is a powerful session. Um, I believe there are a lot of things that has been said. A lot of things that has been said. And if you have your book, if you have your paper, put them down. If you need to go to the bookstore to get some books, please do that. If you need to pray about it, please do you just need to do something about it. You need to do something. Don't just sit down. Like you said, sit upright. If you have to um, face the word, how did you say that again? Face the word forthrightly. Yes, please do that. Do that. It is really, really, really important. This is somebody that um, journeyed from not being able to express himself, not being able to say something to... I mean, listen to everything. I mean, I mean, you need to listen to this. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is an amazing session. And I want to say a very big thank you to you for, for showing up once again. And I really do hope to everybody listening to this. I hope you listen to this and um, be inspired to do something other than public speaking. Be inspired to face your fears. They are not so much of a big deal. You just need to. You really need to fight it. You need to bring everything that it may take for you to do it you need to and then you will have to and there's a grace that has been given unto you if you really want to do this if god is saying the zealousness in you is giving you grace is to do it and i want you to listen to this and be inspired to to break the mountains to move the mountains and to really achieve anything that you want to do and don't forget purpose in the pain it is really important you have to find the purpose in your pain unless you find it i think it's just going to be more painful to you 
So thank you everybody for listening to this. Thank you for joining this episode today. I believe a lot has been said. And personally, it is really eye-opening for me. I hope you can listen to this and turn your fears into courage. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with families and friends. It is available on Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Spotify. Just simply search for Purpose in Every Pain and click. There you go. Do well to take care of your body and mind. And note, until you see the purpose in your pain, it will remain painful. Bye and have a productive month. I love you.